came upon a child of God. He was walking along the road, and they asked him, "Where are you going?" This is what he told me. He said, "I'm going on down to Yazgur's farm. I'm gonna join in a rock and roll band. I'm gonna camp out on the land and try and get my soul free." He said. Stardust," he said. "We're golden, and we got to get ourselves back to the garden."
just got caught up in some devil's bargain And we got to get ourselves back to the garden interest in talking about one of my favorite artists, Joni Mitchell. I'm going to give you my top 10 songs of hers, as well as a little info on those songs and albums and about her career. Before I start with number 10, I have a clip from an interview she gave in 2013 where she talks about celebrity and um, about how that should have nothing to do with enjoying her music. And then she talks a little bit about the album Blue, which song number 10 comes from. Here we go. That attention to celebrity is mental illness. You know, the mental illness uh, that creates that attention is tragic to me. Mm. What about the fact that just tons of people were buying your records? Well, that's different. And they're, you know, that's different. And the people the feel the music and the, the trick is if you listen to that music and you see me you're not getting anything out of it if you listen to that music and you see yourself it'll probably make you cry and you'll learn something about yourself and now you're getting something out of it you know and those are the people those are the people you know that my communication is complete mm. most of them they know I'm famous, they know I'm this, but there's no real communication. It's just a phenomenon there, you know, and people will flick their bick at anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's no big deal. So when, I'm just thinking to, to this point of like you, you really having a difficult time with how popular you were becoming, how famous you were becoming. No, wait, I'm thought. not having a, let's just, when, when I realized how popular I was becoming, it was right before Blue and I yeah. went, oh my God, a lot of people are listening to me. Well, then they better find out who they're worshiping. Let's see if they can take it. Let's get real. So I wrote Blue, which horrified a lot of people, you know. And then it created a lot of attention that was really weird. And so then I bought a property in British Columbia and dropped out. Because what had happened is they're looking at me, and all I've done is reveal human traits, they haven't seen themselves in it. At the point that they see themselves in it, the communication is complete. At the point where they're looking after me, it's like pigs to blood, you know, it's mm. like Marilyn Monroe on a tightrope or something Blue is like considered that. a classic, how so? That now. People, but at the time? No. People thought... Horrified. Well, how were they horrified? Why were they horrified? Well, the men, because it was a man's world, Chris Christopherson went, Joni, you know, keep something of yourself. Johnny Cash said, the, the world is on your shoulders. They all recoil because the game was, I'm bad, I'm bad, even though it was before that. The game is to make yourself larger than life. Mm. Don't reveal anything human. And my thing is, why? You know, movies do it. You know, okay, it hasn't been done in the song. Why do we have to, you know, Ber you know Bergman did it, you know, in film. It's been done in film. So, you know, but the trouble is, I'm the playwright, I'm the actress, you know, and I want them to look at the play and see past it, but all of it 
It's such an intimate art form and I'm doing so much of it that all the attention is going to me, which is insane. To, from my point of view, it's like you're not going to get anything out of it if you look at me. You know, you've got to see yourself in it. Otherwise, it has no value. Okay, a little bit about the album Blue before we get to song number 10. Today, Blue is generally regarded by music critics as one of the greatest albums of all time. The way Mitchell's songwriting, compositions, and voice all work together are frequent areas of praise. In January 2000, the New York Times chose Blue as one of the 25 albums that represented, quote, turning points and pinnacles in the 20th century popular music, end quote. In 2012, Blue was rated the 30th best album ever made in Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time, the highest entry by a female artist. In July 2017, Blue was chosen by NPR as the greatest album of all time made by a woman. Mitchell's 1970 European travels, which also encompassed France and Spain, were intended as a time-out from her increasing fame and fortune in the music business, something she was really wary of. While on the road, she learned to play the Appalachian dulcimer, which was to become a feature of her musical output in the following years, and that's present on the album Blue. Song number 10 is Carrie, and it was inspired by her time spent with Carrie, C-A-R-Y, the song is C-A-R-E-Y, Carrie Raditza, a cane-carrying chef with bright red hair that she met in Matala, living with a cave-dwelling hippie community at Matala on the Greek island of Crete. Other references to the village and the alfresco hippie lifestyle around in the song lyrics, abound in the song lyrics, most notably to Matala's restaurant, which in the song is called The Mermaid Cafe. My favorite part of the song, it happens to be. The wind is in from Africa Last night I couldn't sleep Oh, you know it sure is hard to leave here, Carrie But it's really not my home My fingernails are filthy I've got beach tar on my feet And I miss my clean white linen And my fancy French cologne Oh, Carrie, get out your cane Carrie, get out your cane And put on some silk put on some silk Oh, you're a mean old daddy But I like you Come on down to the Mermaid Cafe And I will buy you a bottle These friends of mine Let's have another round For the bright red devil Who keeps me in this tourist town Come on, Carrie Get out your Carrie, get out your I'll put on some Well, 
from an album called Night Ride Home, released in 1991, and this song is called The Windfall, Everything for Nothing. This song talks about a maid that sued Joni Mitchell, or tried to sue her. I'm not sure what it was for or much of what the details were, um, but some of that is evident in the song lyrics.
from the same album Night Ride Home and it's called Come In From The Cold uh, this is a pretty long song coming in at over 7 minutes but I know some songs can kind of go on and on this is not one of those songs for me I can listen from beginning to end no problem and enjoy all of it uh, it's about aging and um, something that's kind of a frequent theme in her songs just growing up Back in 1957 We had to dance a foot apart And they hawk on us from the sidelines Holding their rulers Without a heart And so with just a touch of our fingers I could make our circuit Just to come in from the cold Disabled by these bonfires. 
the next song, number seven, is the title track from that album, Night Ride Home. It's kind of funny, I was looking at my top ten list and they seem to kind of be chunked with a couple songs from a couple different albums. So they're all kind of, it's like a few songs from this album, a few songs from this one. So there's like three or four or five that comprise this list, interestingly. Anyway, Night Ride Home is about a moonlit night in Hawaii she spent with, I believe, her then-husband. And it's just a nice romantic kind of summary song. Number six is from the 1988 album Chalk Mark in a Rainstorm, and it's called Lakota. Here's a clip of her talking about the song. Well, I am Lakota, uh, I, for instance. I'm not Lakota, uh, but it's written with a lot of empathy. And I sang it with enough authenticity that the Lakota Sioux had me march as a dignitary with their chiefs mm. 
and their medicine men, men, all men. The women were kind of upset about it. A white woman marching, a blonde yet, you know. Custer was a blonde. All her enemies were blondes, you know. So, you know, with enough authenticity for to be invited to march with them as an equal and a dignitary. So, but there were people within the reservations that we marched with that looked at me with suspicion as an outsider. No matter how authentic, you know, I am not Lakota, but I was able to state their case as articulately. It always comes from inside you. Right. Also, Lakota has backing vocals provided by Don Henley.
Number five comes from Chalk Mark in a Rainstorm, and it's a duet with Peter Gabriel called My Secret Place. Joni Mitchell says it's the uniting spirit of two people at the beginning of a relationship. Colorado. 
Number four is from the 1974 album Court and Spark, which was Joni Mitchell's most successful album. In 2003, it was listed at number 111 in Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. Uh, it was released in 1974. The year before 1973 was the first year since she began recording that Mitchell did not release a new album. So she had kind of a gap year between 72 and 74, where she had albums come out in both of those years. Jose Feliciano plays electric guitar on Free Man in Paris, which is number four on my list, and Graham Nash and David Crosby provide backing vocals. The song is about music agent and promoter David Geffen, a close friend of Mitchell in the early 1970s, and describes Geffen during a trip the two made to Paris. While Geffen is never mentioned by name, Mitchell describes how he works hard creating hits and launching careers, but can find some peace while vacationing in Paris. It is ranked number 470 on Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest songs of all time.
number three is also from Court and Spark, and it's called Car on a Hill. Uh, I really like the jazzy vibe that this song has, and jazz is kind of a genre she dips a toe into with this album and then kind of goes at it full bore in some of her following albums. Number two, this song is called The Circle Game, but not from the 1970 album Ladies of the Canyon, from a 2002 album called Travelogue, which features orchestral re-recordings of songs from throughout her career. So she provided new vocals along with a nice orchestral accompaniment on some of her well-known songs from throughout the years, The Circle Game being one of them. The reason I prefer this version is it, since there's a 32-year time difference between the original recording and this one, it provides a new perspective uh, with time that the other song didn't have. Um, 
her voice changes obviously and she's older and I like the reinterpretation of her own song. The original version from that 1970 album, Ladies of the Canyon, features backing vocals from Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. And this 2002 version has orchestral arrangements composed by Vince Mendoza, and he won a 2004 Grammy Award for Best Instrumental Arrangement Accompanying Vocalists for his arrangement of Woodstock, which... Uh, you heard at the beginning of this episode. Yesterday, a child came out to wonder, caught a dragonfly. Inside a jar Fearful When the sky Was full of thunder And tearful At the falling Of a star And the seasons They go round Painted ponies go up and down. We're captive on the carousel of time. We can't return, we can only look behind from where we came and go round and round and round in the circle. Ten times round the seasons You skated over Ten clear frozen streams Words like When you're older Must appease him And promises of some Make his dreams And the seasons They go round and round And the painted ponies Go up and down We're captive on the carousel Of time We can't return We can only look from where we came I go round and round and round In the circle Sixteen springs and sixteen summers Gone now Cartwheels turn to car wheels through the town. And 
they tell him Take your time It won't be long now Until you drag your feet Just as slow as the goes down And the seasons They go round and round And the painted ponies Go up and down We're captive on the carousel of time We can't return, we can only look Behind from where we came And go round and round and round in the circle Though his dreams have lost some grandeur coming true There'll be new dreams, maybe better dreams And plenty Before the last revolving year is through The seasons they go round and round, and the painted ponies go up and down. We're captive on the carousel of time. We can't return, we can only look behind from where we came. I go Okay, my number one Joni Mitchell song is from Court and Spark, and it's called Raised on Robbery. He was sitting in the lounge of the Empire Hotel. He was drinking for diversion. He was thinking for himself. A blue money riding on the maple leaves. Along comes a lady in lacy sleeves. She says,
Okay, to wrap things up, just a little bit about Joni Mitchell. For those of you who don't know, she's a Canadian singer-songwriter, and she survived polio as a child, which kind of influenced some of her writing. She has received many accolades, including the including nine Grammy Awards and induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1997. Mitchell asserted her desire for artistic control throughout her career and still holds the publishing rights for her music. Here's a clip where she talks about that sort of autonomy and her legacy. In terms of really maintaining a sense of your creativity, you did the artwork. You're, 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 you know, you're very powerfully determining what the music is going to be on the records. There's no, there's no, nobody's parachuted in to write this stuff for you I'm or tell you what to it do. On. Nobody, nobody stands over you when you're painting. Do you feel tells like tells you where to put your brush? Well, do you feel then, and especially doing this all um, as a woman too, and and what you just talked about in terms of the terms of your your contract that then Neil and others followed in your footsteps. Do you do you accept that you were a pioneer? Oh yeah, sure. Oh, I blazed a lot of trails. Mm -hmm. Self-publishing, a lot. Mitchell is the sole producer credited on most of her albums, including all her work in the 1970s. A blunt critic of the music industry, she quit touring and released her 17th and reportedly last album of original songs in 2007. With roots in visual art, Mitchell has designed most of her own album covers. She describes herself as a painter derailed by circumstance. So most of the album covers feature paintings by her. Uh, this following clip talks about the daughter she had when she was 21 in 1965. Uh, she was an unwed young mother, uh, which was, which had a huge amount of stigma attached to it at that time. So she couldn't really confide in anybody or even her parents. Uh, so she put her up for adoption. This clip talks about how that was not to further her career, as many people have reported. Um, she didn't have a career at that time. She was not recording or writing or anything yet at that time. And she was financially and socially not in a place where she could raise a kid, so she had to put her up for adoption. But that was kind of the impetus to her recording career and writing. And there's a definite through line in some of her songs that with that in mind you can kind of hear that um and taming of the tiger there's an album where in the 90s she was reunited with the daughter so that album was kind of inspired by that moment in her life you're the through line is you're drawing. you're you're a visual artist you attend you go from saskatoon you attend art school in calgary for for visual arts, right? Mm -hmm. For painting. Worth you were painting. Right. You, you start also playing in some cafes in Saskatoon musically. Then you end up in Toronto. How did music become the career? Because I got pregnant. I got pregnant. I was the only virgin in art school, right? You've been holding on to this precious thing, and I just kind of stupidly let it go. One weekend in Toronto. You know, as, as Jean, my choreographer, says, you were bamfed. No, it was in bamf. It was in bamf. Right? right, you were bamped, and so I got caught out immediately, and, and so I had to create a smokescreen. The music was not of interest. 
this is a trick that fate, because I didn't know I had the gift. I hadn't started to write. There was, I was just a folk singer. And how did music become the smokescreen rather than painting? Well, because I'm going to quit art school. You know, the pretense to protect my parents was that, you know, I was having trouble with the props. Anyway, I was in debate with them all the time. They didn't like the way I dress. Again, you had to go into a box. You know, to be a painter, you had to wear Ben. There was a uniform. It didn't allow for individuality. And, and they were prejudiced against people with, with hand-to-eye coordination. They were all abstractionists, and I didn't care for that pocket of painting. Even in art school, there were too many rules for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was total conformity. And I was an honor student there, and I've talked to other students later that they, even though they were hard on me and always on me, you know, that they used my work as examples. Well, I guess because I came fam famous that they used it. But I did, was an honor student, but I was docked because I was <laughs> no good at mornings, and I would go to, to um, Edmonton and sing on the weekends, come home tired and miss Monday morning. So tardiness, which should not have come into play for an artist, a real artist anyway, was, was the reason that they were going to dock me was for absenteeism. I said, well, why? You know, I got my work in. You know, I just didn't get it in by the clock exactly, you know. So music becomes the smokescreen. Mm -hmm. um, you go to Toronto, uh, and by the way, of course, you, you have the child, uh, you put the child up for adoption, you, you find your daughter many years later, and we've, we've heard some of that But story. let's clear up something that people Please. assume ero erroneously, and I see it written again and again and again, that, <laughs> that I gave up my daughter to further my career. This is so wrong. There was no career. My music at that point, first of all, I was just a folk singer. You know, it was just, it was just, uh, there was no ambition. There was no, you know, I had a nice voice, I guess. I played okay, you know, but there was no real gift that, you know, it was just something that was happening and was going to die out soon, you know. It was a way to get money to smoke, you know, and to have a pizza and go to a movie and to bowl because that's what I did at art school too. I came in there with no frills, you know, I had to earn half my fare at art school because my parents disapproved and there was nothing left over. So singing in the clubs was fun and it afforded me a little bit of income that I wouldn't have had. Jody, when did you know it was more than fun? Uh, that you were, you actually did, you were more when than I made just a, a bad marriage. When I, made a, when I married Chuck Mitchell, you know, I should have been a runaway bride on, on our wedding day. You know, even his mother said, uh, you know, of him, uh, that he was the, referred to him as the first waffle and said it should be used to warm up the pan and then thrown out. He behaved so selfishly on his wedding day. I, if I'd known about runaway brides, I would have, you know. He, he, and uh, so it, it didn't last very long. And like they say, if you make a good marriage, God bless you. If you make a bad marriage, become a philosopher. Hmm. So... You know, both sides now and all of those songs that came out of that were, you know, to get away from him, I would go down to the Toddle House. We lived in the black neighborhood there, you know, and I would sit there and drink coffee and write. And so the writing began to happen. You know, he tried to gain ownership of it. I He set up a publishing company. I had him set up too because I knew I had to get out of that marriage, you know. Um, but the the thing that keeps getting written is that I gave up my daughter in order to further my career. This is just not so. The way, what was done at that time was you didn't even see the daughter. You, you, you didn't have an, the right thing to do. 
to protect your parents was to get out of town, go into a home. Well, in 65, the homes were full. So many girls got cut out because the, everything was changing. Yeah. Movies were getting sexier. It was very confusing to be a young woman there. What's right? You know, everything was changing. And the pill was not available. So there were a lot of unwed children born in 1965, more than could be adopted. And all the homes were full, you know. So it was very difficult to survive. I mean, at the time I had her, I was destitute, you know. And if, uh, there was no way I could take her out of the hospital into a blizzard with no job, no roof over my head. There was no way I could take her. And there weren't even foster homes available at that time because there was such a glut of unwed children. But she was beautiful and they, she found her way into a foster home. And I tried to get work and get a setup that I could bring her to. Well, in that time period, I couldn't get any work in Toronto because I couldn't get 160 bucks to get into the union. You know, I was beset by predators, you know, like people trying to take advantage of the situation. I won't name names, but a lot of human ugliness came at me because I was in a white slavers. I mean, you wouldn't believe the gauntlet you have to run when you're young, destitute, and in a situation like that. They tortured me in Toronto General. They literally tortured me, you know, in there, you know, out of disrespect, you know. 30 years later, when my granddaughter was born in the same hospital, it wasn't the same hospital, but it was the dark ages then for women. You know, I was a criminal. I was a fallen woman. It was, you know, it was a very difficult situation. Um, a little bit more about her. She wrote many songs performed by other artists before doing her own recordings, Woodstock being one of them. There's a version recorded by Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young that came out before her version, and then it's interesting to hear the reinterpretations or the different interpretations of that song. Uh, and I've heard it three different ways. She does that on her 1970 album and then the 2002 album. And then there's the Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young recording. And it's cool to see that song interpreted three different ways. In 2003, Rolling Stone named her the 72nd greatest guitarist of all time, and she was the highest-ranked woman on the list. In 2008, Mitchell was ranked 42nd on Rolling Stone's 100 Greatest Singers list, and in 2015, she was ranked 9th on their list of the 100 Greatest Songwriters of All Time. Uh, I would argue that she belongs a little higher on that list. I think... She's kind of regarded as the gold standard when it comes to songwriting, especially when it comes to lyrics. Uh, she's certainly been influenced or an influence to many other well-known and respected artists. Uh, Rolling Stone also called her, quote, one of the greatest songwriters ever. And All Music has stated, quote, when the dust settles, Joni Mitchell may stand as the most important and influential female recording artists of the late 20th century. So part of what makes her so influential and respected is the autonomy she had over her, over her work, um, her songwriting, and her fearlessness to not kind of go with the tide of what music industry said she should be doing. She just kind of did her own thing and did what she wanted to do, which is something a lot of people like about her. Uh, she has crossed genres and brought genres together and just did some really innovative 
things that people really respect her for, um, myself included. Uh, these 10 songs I've listed, all of them I love. Uh, the outro here is some kind of honorable mentions. There's a lot of great Joni Mitchell songs. I couldn't include them all, obviously, in this top 10. So enjoy those as this episode ends. And thank you for listening. You don't know what you've got till it's gone. The key paradise, put up a parking lot. We took all the trees, put them in a tree museum. And they charged the people a dollar and a half just to see them. Seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone. They pay paradise, put up a parking lot. Hey, farmer, farmer, put away the DDT now. Give me spots on my apples, or leave me the birds and the bees. People like to talk, tongues are wagging over fences, they're wagging over phones. All their doors are locked, God, she can't even come to our house, but I know where she'll go. To the place where you can stand and press your hands like it was bubble bath. And Down under the street, my friend, Cherokee Louise. Ever since we turned 13, it's like a minefield walking to the door. Going out, you get the third degree. And coming in, you get the third world war. Tuesday after school, we put our pennies on the rails. And when the train rolled by, we were jumping around like fools, going, Look, no heads or tails, going, Look, my lucky prize.
sing soprano in the upstairs choir. Cause honey 